and welcome to uh, Mashley at the Movies. I'm Matt. I'm Ashley. And we're joined by Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Hi. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for being with us for this very special episode. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, 2021 is behind us, but there are some movies and TV shows from 2021 that we didn't get around to talking about because we don't always talk about everything that we watch. Um, So Ryan is joining us today to kind of go over some of those. And we're breaking this up into two parts. So uh, part one and part two are each going to feature four different things, uh, TV shows and films. Um, and again, for those of you who aren't familiar with Ryan, you can find him on Twitter at Arnold underscore at movies and on uh, the Internet at uh, Ryan Arnold reviews dot weebly dot com. And yeah, so we're going to just kind of kick things off by talking about uh, a film that Ashley and I just saw a few nights ago that we really liked uh, called Passing. Uh, Ryan, what did you think of this movie? Yeah, so um, I, I really enjoyed Passing too. I thought it was a, a very um, beautiful uh, directorial debut from um, Rebecca Hall. Um, it stars Tessa Thompson and Ruth Nega, who uh, both actresses I, I really enjoy their work, um, especially Ruth Nega. Um, her in Loving um, that came out in 2016, uh, she did an excellent job in that movie and in this movie as well, just um, top-notch performance. Um, it's, uh, kind of some harder subject matter to deal with, but I felt like, uh, Rebecca Hall did a very elegant and delicate job handling the material, um, and the themes in the movie. Um, I thought it was very smart for her to, um, make the film black and white, um, that really helped symbolize a lot of what the storyline was going for. Um, the visuals were striking and, uh, everything about it was just very, you know, crisp and well done. Um, but yeah, I, I watched this, I think back at the beginning of December and, um, really enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm really impressed, um, by Rebecca Hall's, um, direction and she also adapted the, the screenplay. It's pretty impressive. I, we know her as an actress. We saw her earlier this year in uh, the, Ni- the Night House. She's a really talented actress. Um, but yeah, she's perhaps even more talented as a director and screenwriter. So this is really impressive. And um, again, I, I loved the performances, um, as Ryan mentioned, um, from Tessa Thompson and, and Ruth Nega. Um, the subject matter is difficult, but it is handled in, a, I thought, a very um, careful way and a very moving way. Um, it's interesting. There's there's tension throughout this movie, and you know, just you may not think of this movie as a as a suspenseful film, but I was kind of on the edge of my seat a few times because <clears throat> the movie is about these two women who, and uh, Tessa Thompson's character Irene, she occasionally passes as white, um, but Claire, she has basically made a life as a white woman. And she's actually married to a white man, a rather racist white white man. And there's just always this tension of being found out. And what is that going to mean to them? And what are going to be the, the, yeah, the, the repercussions of that? And, yeah, it's a very suspenseful film, surprisingly. I wasn't expecting that going into it. But um, that just added a whole other level to, to the enjoyment of the film. Yeah, um, 
Tessa Thompson is really good in this. Uh, Ruth Nega as well. But I feel like Ruth Nega has this more showy role. <clears throat> Tessa Thompson's a little more reserved. Uh, there's a lot about this movie that I think treats its audience with respect. There are things that occur that are just kind of done through, uh, you know, close-ups and uh, looks that the actors just kind of have to give and convey certain emotions. Um, can't, we, we can't forget Andre Holland, who plays uh, Brian, Tessa Thompson's husband in this movie. Uh, I'm so happy to see him because I, I really loved him in uh, Moonlight. And he, he's, he's great in that, and he's, and he's really good in this. And, and yeah, and then, you know, Claire, played by Ruth Nega, is, is just an interesting, almost kind of a cipher. I mean, there's things going on about her that I don't know. You know, it, it's unclear to me if she is really out to be a, a kind of potential homewrecker or if she is just someone who craves attention so badly she doesn't care if it comes from her friend's husband. Um, but yeah, there's, there's really interesting. And, you know, back in the 20s when this book came out, and we should mention that um, this book was written by Nella Larson and then, you know, Rebecca Hall adapted it. But, um, you know, I mean, that was a thing that was that was going on. I mean, uh, quite a bit. And uh, uh, not, not just then, but yeah, uh, African-Americans who could pass as white and were treated better. And of course, that created a lot of tension, not just uh, internally, but also amongst uh, other African Americans who, um, you know, let's say, couldn't pass as white, and what they thought of um, other uh, other African Americans doing that. Um, there is a lot of tension about, you know, potentially being found out or what, 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 what you know. And there's also also undercurrents here of happiness what people do in life that makes them happy or they think makes them happy. Um, and it's also, you could, and we don't, we're not going to go deep diving into this, but you know, you could also look at this uh, sort of allegorically in more modern day as um, at least I looked at it as, as, as someone in the LGBT community, as there's always a bit of a tension. I feel like sometimes between gay people and then bisexuals, because bisexuals, if they're in a heterosexual relationship can you know if no one questions them they can sort of pass right as just being completely straight mm -hmm. and uh you know they can be treated a different way a maybe a better way than someone who's like fully gay or lesbian that is in a same-sex relationship and there's all i've just seen that play out um so yeah this is um this is this is really multi-layered and there's also a really big point of ambiguity in it that is pretty striking. So, yeah, I I, I love this movie. Uh, it's one I want to watch again when, when we have some time. So, um, what would you give this out of uh, out of ten, Ryan? So right now, I probably would. Um, after seeing it, I would give it a, a solid eight. Um, it's definitely a movie that I want to again watch, rewatch again. Um, it's definitely a movie that's grown on me since I've seen it. Um, but yeah, it, it's just, it's very well done. Uh, a great de uh, directorial debut from Rebecca Hall. I really hope Ruth Nega, um, gets an Oscar nomination for her role in this movie. Um, it'd be a little bit, a bit of a harder climb for Tessa Thompson to get, um, a best actress nomination. Uh, although she, she should get it, but I, I'm not sure if she'll be able to squeeze in, um, with everybody else that's, that's in the running.
Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a great film. It's fun to watch. How about you, Ashley? Um, I think I would give it a nine. Okay. Um, I give it a nine as well. So, uh, our score then here at Mashley at the movies is an 8.6. And, uh, yeah, that is, uh, passing. All right, so next up, we're going to talk about a TV show. So earlier in the year, uh, Disney Plus kicked off a, what became a, a string of MCU uh, television shows. Uh, the first was WandaVision, which Ashley and I talked about uh, at the beginning of the year. And then uh, Loki came along. So uh, we did not talk about Loki. <laughs> and Ashley kind of admits to kind of only half watching that. So uh, Ryan and I are going to do some heavy lifting on Loki. Uh, why don't you share your thoughts on on Loki? <laughs> so it's it, uh, be mine. It, it has been since June since I've <laughs> watched Loki. Um, so I'm going to go off of what I remember. Um, but it it was definitely one of my uh, more memorable MCU movie or the TV shows. Um, but with the um, franchise, uh, I really did enjoy this one. Um, I liked. Uh, that uh, Tom Hiddleston got to reprise his role and um, that they could kind of expand on his character, which was a lot of fun. Um, so if anybody's keeping up with MCU and, and all that, um, it takes place kind of in between the events of, well, like during a certain segment of Endgame. Um, and it's kind of where we get a, uh, uh, a parallel Loki in a sense, like if that, if that makes any sense, people that have seen Endgame and, and know what I'm talking about will understand where this show starts and picks off. It actually um, kind of, it actually kind of takes place uh, back during the timeline of the Avengers, the original yeah, Avengers movie. Yeah. They time hop and yeah. it gets all timely, winely, you know? Um, <laughs> so, but I, I really enjoyed, um, the the episodes it was it was funny um it was also dramatic owen wilson did a really good job in it as well um i uh, the the it it was a good show because i think what i really enjoyed about it is they really dialed down um the action sequences and they really focused on the character development um there's a lot more you know just conversing and talking and, and growing in loki's character which i really enjoyed um, certain MCU movies or even shows, it's kind of next scene and they're kind of hip hop into um, action sequences and then big set pieces. And Loki kind of scaled that back. So that's mostly what I remember from it is just how they really um, worked on him as a character and the universe around him and kind of grew it. Um, and it, it was a it was just a fun show to watch and enjoy. I would agree with that. It was it was good too. It was a, it was a sort of uh, kind of done when it did not stay its welcome. It was six episodes, I think, mm-hmm. um, which was what it needed to be. Uh, and I know they're going to do a season two. It's funny. I'm not a huge Tom Hiddleston fan, um, but I, every time I watch him like as Loki, I actually think, oh, he's he's doing a pretty good job here. And, and this is his show, uh, and he does he does it really well. I also think it's it's kind of, and I know this is part of the point of the show, but they do. A really good job of his character growth where he kind of, you know, he becomes kind of a better person mm-hmm. uh, where it took him 
like years to do that in the first MCU timeline. Um, here he does it like in just a matter of, I don't know how long this takes place, probably days. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's believable. I mean, you, you buy it. Um, Sophia Martino is really great in this as a Loki variant. Um, it's interesting. I feel like the term variant kind of became part of our 2021 lingo because of Loki and because of coronavirus. So, uh, but she's a variant of Loki and she's just really good in this. Um, and Owen Wilson, I think you mentioned him earlier, Ryan, he, he's, uh, he's works at this place that, uh, Loki gets sent to called the time variant authority. And, um, it's good. Uh, he, he's really good in this. Um, I, I love the look of the time variance authority. It's a futuristic yet retro kind of establishment. And I, I, and I like that. Um, I also think now I, if, if, if you ask me which of the, the shows, WandaVision or Loki, I prefer, and those also happen to be the only two MCU shows I've seen this year, but if you ask me which one of those two, I prefer, I prefer WandaVision. I think the first at least two episodes of WandaVision, I really, really like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I love, um, the performances in that, but, um, I feel like Loki is a more cohesive show. Yeah. Uh, WandaVision has a little bit of a kind of a split personality uh, going on, mm-hmm. which I know is sort of by design. But also, I felt like WandaVision, I mean, you talked earlier, Ryan, you made a good point about the, the kind of dial down the action a bit yeah. in Loki. And I think that worked well. WandaVision, uh, kind of like by the last episode, becomes an MCU third act, you know, yeah. action thing. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, WandaVision is a little over, all over the board. Uh, Loki is is more cohesive. So yeah, what about you, Ashley? You got any thoughts on this? <laughs> well, I did give this show a chance. I, I'm not a Loki fan. Um, I've never really liked the character much at all. But I I felt like at least in the movies he had there was a certain level of of humor that he was able to bring to the proceedings. And here I, he didn't even have that. Um, not as much. Um. I, I too liked the the time variance authority, the style of it, the retro style. That was that was interesting. Um, I don't know. It it got a little convoluted to me as as far as the time stuff, and maybe it wasn't all that convoluted. But I just didn't want to put forth the effort to really to really follow it. Um, but I, I did tune back in for the for the last episode, and I thought that was really confusing, and <laughs> maybe because I didn't watch the other stuff, but. And then also, ultimately, it just seemed kind of like a long introduction to the multiverse, which is where Marvel has been going now. And I don't know. To me, it didn't really, as a series, add up to very much beyond that. <laughs> that's fair enough. Uh, so we won't do any scores on this because it's a TV show. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, that is Loki. And next, we're going to talk about The Power of the Dog, which is a 2021 movie by director Jane Campion. And uh, I know, Ashley, you you quite dug this film. <laughs> I'm going to hand it over to you. All right. Yeah, this is uh, Jane Campion's first film in quite a while, I think. Um, and it's, it's wonderfully directed and wonderfully acted. And it's one of my favorite films of the year. Um, it stars Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, 
he he plays this kind of very masculine, rugged cowboy. Um, I believe is it in Montana that it's set. I believe so. Yeah, and um, filmed in New Zealand though. He really seems to despise everything feminine. Um, there's a there's a young boy played by Cody Smith McPhee who's uh, kind of an effeminate young man, and there's an immediately there's an immediate dislike. Um, and I, I find I found it interesting that Benedict Cumberbatch was cast for this role at first because he, he's not the person you think of maybe as a as a rugged t- cowboy type. Um, but ultimately, I think it made sense because as the movie progresses, you learn a little more about this character. And um, I think Benedict Cumberbatch was able to imbue this character with a little more depth. Um, and it, it made for a very interesting portrayal. And I liked that. The The story itself, um, I thought was very interesting. And it has a, a the best ending of a movie, I think, perhaps this year. Um, a very surprising, to me, surprising turn of events and makes you kind of reevaluate the whole film. And it's a movie I kind of want to see again. I've only seen it once. But I think if you were to watch it a second time, you would get different things out of it. Um, because I think the ending kind of just kind of rewrites what you've seen. So in, in that sense, I thought it was just a very, very well-structured, written, and, and, and acted film. Um, I would agree with everything that um, Ashley said. Uh, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, it's my number 10 from um, my picks of the best films of uh, last year. And uh, it's a slow-burning Western. Um, it's a riveting character study. Um, it is Jane Campion's uh, first film back in 12 years. Um, and it's, it's pretty astonishing. I mean, she hasn't lost her touch at all. It's, it's, it's the directions I felt was always there. Her craft was always uh, well done and in control. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, he really blew me away with his performance, um, being somebody of, uh, you know, who's, who's both cruel in his words and his mannerisms and, uh, just the style of, um, the toxic, the um, toxic masculinity, um, that surrounds him and his performance. He does a really good job. Um, also Kirsten Dunst, um, and, uh, Jesse Plemons are also are in this movie and they do also phenomenal work and the, uh, boy, uh, Kirsten Dunst's son in this movie, um, by actor, uh, Cody, uh, Smith McPhee. Um, he, uh, really did some wonderful work in this film. Um, it's a, it's a bruising Western. It's, it's emotional. Um, it's, it is a very patient, slow moving movie. Um, but I was always very engrossed with it. Um, and was always kind of in awe um, I think it has a good chance. I mean, it's, it's been making some waves through this award season and I think it has a good chance of, um, winning some big nominations, um, at the end of, uh, the spring. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah, it, it's just, uh, overall, I thought it was a very well done, well-crafted film. Um, and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and, and the ending, um, really, yeah, it, it really 
gets you and it really sneaks up on you. I thought, I thought that was very well done. That was pretty brilliant. <laughs> so I'm kind of split on this movie. Um, it's a two hour film and the first hour I feel like is just Benedict Cumberbatch's character being a dick to everyone around him. Uh, Kristen Dunst, Jesse Plemons, Cody Smith McPhee, and, and pretty much everyone else in, in his orbit. Uh, those characters, he's, he's just a, an awful human being to them. And yeah, I mean, as the movie unfolds a bit, I mean, you, you get hints of and then a little bit more, a little bit more plainly stated or shown things of, you know, he, he has this toxic masculinity for, for reasons or a reason. Um, but I, I sat there. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I sat there during the first half of the film thinking like, is, is this what this movie's going to be? Is this him being rude and cruel to people? Because I'm like, I, I, it needs to be more to it than this. And then there eventually becomes more to it. Um, and, and I, I, for me personally, the, the back half was, was much more palatable and, and, and intriguing and interesting than the first half. That said, I, I still went away from it thinking like, uh, but was it worth it? Did I need to sit through that first half for us to get to the back half? Um, everyone's mileage may vary on that. Um, I, I think I'm sure probably Ashley, <laughs> you and Ryan probably would say yes, yes, definitely. But I, I, for me, uh, uh, I don't know. That said, uh, it is very well directed by Jane Campion. Um, and then, uh, Ari Wegner, who, uh, is, a, is the DP on this. It's, it's a beautifully shot film. Um, it is set in Montana, but it's filmed in New Zealand. Uh, very stark, beautiful vistas. Um, it, it, it is, it's a, it's a very technically well-made movie. Um, uh, I just, um, I just have some issues with, uh, with the plotting of it, I guess. Um, so that said, what would you give it out of 10, Ryan? I would give it a nine. And Ashley? 9.5. Okay. Uh, I'm giving it a six. So our score is still an 8.1. Uh, so that is the power of the dog. And finally, our, our last uh, entry in this episode of our 2021 catch-up is something that Ashley and I saw. Now, Ryan, you did not see this one, so uh, feel free to listen. Have a listen. But we saw this movie with our friend Garrett like several months ago. It was like, I think, that toward the end of summer. It was called The Stairs. And I think one reason... So there's a couple of reasons why I, I, I think we chose not to do an episode on it. One is... We saw it like a one night only kind of fathom events thing. I mean, it's a new movie and I don't know. It just, that was, that was its, I feel like maybe that was its theater thing. One night only, whatever. And two, I mean, sometimes there's, there's, you don't always want to talk about a movie, right? It's just kind of, (laughs) it's not necessarily good or bad. You just kind of like, well, there it is. Mm. That said, the stairs. Tell folks about the stairs, Ashley. Uh, yeah, so it starts off, there's a 11 year old boy and his grandfather, they go out hunting in the woods and 
the boy disappears and they both disappear. Well, they, yeah, they both disappear after finding this staircase that seems to lead nowhere in the middle of the woods. In the middle of the woods, mm-hmm. we should also mention too for folks of a certain age, <laughs> they'll know that uh, the grandfather is played by John Schneider, who was one of the Duke brothers in the old Dukes of Hazard show. That's right. So then, many years later, uh, this group of friends uh, come together to go hiking in the woods, and uh, strange things start happening to them, um, and it becomes kind of a kind of a monster movie. There, there's there's things living under the stairs. Yeah, they come upon the stairs. Yes, they they too find the stairs and. Um, yeah, so it, it 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 mostly kind of details their their experience in the woods with this monster that's living in the stairs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the setup. Um, I thought the setup was actually pretty good, and you know the introduction of all these characters wasn't too bad. There are some really kind of chilling scenes that happen in the woods. Um, you you can tell that the the budget for this film was perhaps not all that large because it is a lot of people walking around in the woods, <laughs> and then when they finally do get under the stairs into this other, I don't know if it's another dimension or 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 what these stairs really are. It never they never really explain it, but it, it does feel like you're you're in like the maze like corridors of a of a old power plant or something. Mm-hmm. So you can tell that they've just chosen places to film that are perhaps inexpensive and didn't require a lot of set design or, or anything like that. Yeah. Especially when they, they get to the, as you call it, the old power plant looking place as, as a fan of old <laughs> classic doctor who I'm like, I recognize that, that, yes. that low budget move right there. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, yeah. You go after hours to, <laughs> to a disused power plant. No. Um, this was a fine movie. Uh, it it was low budget, but not like cheap. Sure. And the acting was good enough. It was fine. Um, I liked seeing John Schneider for the amount of time he was in it. And I liked seeing Kathleen Quinlan. I and actually was looking at IMDb. I forgot she was in it, but <laughs> she, she, she's in this movie. Uh, again, people of a certain age will remember her from things like Twilight Zone, the movie, um, Apollo 13. Uh, the doors. So, you know, she's someone who used to see quite a bit, like in the eighties into the nineties and then not as much recently. So it was good to see her again. Yeah. Um, it's fine. It was fine. I'd actually completely forgotten about it until you, you mentioned that we should talk about it. I was like, what? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's so it's kind of forgettable, but Mm -hmm. I mean, once you mentioned it, I remembered parts of it. And I've honestly been too lazy to look up to see if it's streaming anywhere. But I will say that um, I think it's good enough that if you're kicking around on like a night off and you're looking for something to to like <laughs> watch to I don't know space out to or something, you, you could do worse than the stairs. The stairs. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, what would you give the stairs out of ten? I'll give it a five out of ten. <laughs> I would give it. I would give it a five and a half. So our score is a five point three. <laughs> Now concludes part one. (laughs) 